Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waltman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. <clears throat> it is almost Christmas. Christmas is almost here. Let me know in the comment section if you guys are doing anything exciting for Christmas. We have a, me and my wife and the kids, we're going to a dinner party on Friday and probably a low key Saturday. Open presents, things like that. But let me know. Sorry, there's an ad playing somewhere on my screen. I feel like I'm Joe Biden right now. That that's must be what Joe Biden feels like, right? When you have a million tabs open, an ad starts playing, and you don't know where it is. That's what it must feel like to live as Joe Biden these days. So we got lots to talk about. Um, not going to really focus on any one thing. Just going to go through lots of other things that are in the news. Because the news is crazy, and the world is going to hell. The world's falling apart. And it, it's it's terrifying to see it. But sometimes you just got to point it out. If we go ahead, go to my screen, Mr. Producer. This is uh, the headline that you think would be everywhere. 85 fully vaccinated Massachusetts residents died from COVID-19 in the past week. Safe and effective. Listen, at some point, they just got to admit it. (laughs) Right? Anyone who gets a booster at this point, I, I, I don't know what to say to you. I don't know what to say to you. And, and and anyone who's followed the podcast for a long time, you know, I am generally pretty pro-vaccine. When it comes to all the things that have been tested over decades, I would much rather inoculate myself and my children than die, have us die of diseases that we eradicated a long time ago. The COVID vaccine does create some immunity in your system. It does. It tricks your body into thinking that it's already encountered COVID-19 by having it recognize the spike protein. The difference is, and this is where my thinking has ultimately changed as we've gotten more data, as we've gotten more numbers, is the cost-benefit analysis worth it? We've covered on this show people who have gotten vaccinated against their will and have died and have been paralyzed and have watched their children die after being vaccinated for a disease that the vast majority of people who get it will survive. Is it worth it? Is it worth taking a perfectly healthy person perfectly healthy person and inoculating them against a disease that will not kill them, but opening up themselves to the risk of, uh, (laughs) open themselves up to the risk of dying or being seriously injured by the vaccine. It's not worth it. It's clearly not worth it. Joe Biden's out there yesterday bragging about how 6 million children have already gotten vaccinated and that we need to vaccinate more. Is he insane? We've covered this in the past. The UK numbers from uh, the UK's health system, they estimate that for every 1 million doses given to children, you'd have upwards of two dozen children suffer myocarditis. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as mild heart damage. There's no such thing as mild heart inflammation. There's no such thing. 
Mama Cougar says you need to do more research on those vaccines. No, the difference between COVID-19 and things and, and things like measles is measles, the measles vaccine. Sure, say what you want about it. There's lots of people who claim that is very, very bad. Measles is also very, very bad. So I'd love to live in a world where we had eradicated measles. We almost did. Then we opened up our borders to refugees, to illegal aliens without any testing whatsoever. And all of a sudden, measles is back. And there's a reason that measles outbreaks tend to start in places like Dearborn, Michigan. There's a reason that, that that's where measles outbreaks tend to start. So I'd love to live in a world where we didn't need the measles vaccine. I really do. Because if you get measles, if it doesn't kill you, it can, it can ruin your life. And that's the whole thing. This is all about cost-benefit analysis. I'm not here to convince you that every vaccine is perfectly safe because it's not. There's no such thing as a medication that is perfectly safe. You watch any commercials, you watch any commercial and you'll see at the very end of it, they list all the side effects and the, the medications that advertise that they're going to save your life also admit in those side effects that they could kill you. <clears throat> so it's all about cost-benefit analysis. When you get cancer, you go in for chemotherapy. The chemotherapy will kill you. If you do it long enough, the chemotherapy will kill you. The goal is to kill the cancer first. And that's the whole point. It's up, up to you to decide whether the juice is worth the squeeze. Whether the side effects are worth the benefit that you will get. For some people, it's worth it. For some people, it's not worth it. And that's 100% your decision. Right before my son was born, I got the whooping cough vaccine. Had them remove the tetanus part of it because I am allergic to that. And it makes me swell up and get rashes all over my body. But I got inoculated for whooping, whooping cough. Why? Because at the time I lived in Colorado and Colorado was having an outbreak of whooping cough. Why? Because they were resettling refugees into Colorado. Also, why? There are lots of illegal aliens in Colorado. So I'm not going to go to the mall, go shopping for Christmas, catch this disease, give it to my newborn child and kill him. That was a decision I made. This is a decision I made for me. My family. You know, it didn't kill me. My son didn't get whooping cough. Now, there's plenty of people who make that decision and they have side effects. It's true. The point is, it should be their decision, right? It should be a decision that they make with informed consent where they can look at the pros and cons and decide what's best for them, not something that's being forced on them. Not something that's being forced on them. And listen, we can have this conversation back and forth all day long, even though I'm the only one who can actually talk. <laughs> not a whole conversation. I am vaccine injured. I get it. I also get that I'd, I'd be terrified if my son, my newborn son at the time, had gotten any of these diseases and they were all out there. So it's up to everyone to make the decision. You can, go, you can go to graveyards around this country and you can see entire gravestones where entire families were knocked out by diseases that we have eradicated through vaccinations. So yeah, you, you will never find a gravestone where an entire family was killed by vaccines. You won't. Now, does that mean that, that the suffering, the pain shouldn't be talked about? No, absolutely. It should absolutely be talked about. And if that was hidden from them or not disclosed to them, then the people who manufactured the vaccine should absolutely be held liable. But you're not going to be able to convince me that the polio vaccine is worse than polio. It's not. I mean... <laughs> When you get to COVID-19, that's when the juice stops being worth the squeeze. Is it really worth the risks to avoid a disease that won't kill you, most likely? No. 
but you go down the list of different diseases that we have eradicated over the years, we tend we tended to have eradicated the most dangerous diseases out there. Diseases that actually kill, maim, blind children. It's like I, I'd much rather live in a world without smallpox than one with smallpox. Like, come on. <laughs> like, you can't say that vaccines are bad and that you ra we'd rather live in a world where smallpox still existed. Right? We, we eradicated smallpox through vaccinations. And the only people who have to get vaccinated for smallpox now are the people who work with smallpox in lab conditions. So I'd love to live in a world where we didn't have these diseases, but we do. And, and that's and that's before, <clears throat> before all of this with COVID-19. That's what was so crazy. People who avoided vaccinations tended to be liberals. We've we've seen an entire paradigm shift. Paradigm shift. It's very strange. It tended to be more of like the organic crowd, um, of like Seattle, Portland. They those tended to be the places with the highest opt out rates in schools for vaccinations from obviously more liberal parents, and they were also the ones arguing for open borders. So you can't have it both ways, right? You can't have open borders and also say we don't want any vaccines, which is why I, th I think it's completely reasonable. The side that the conservative side has, has, has staked out. No, we don't want vaccines. You shouldn't be able to force anything on us. And you also should have to secure the borders. And we also shouldn't v just be resettling unvetted refugees around the country, untested refugees around the country. No, it's, it's, it's very obvious. Like we, we eradicated diseases that came back through immigration. And, and that, that, that should piss everyone off, <clears throat> right? Because it's one thing to say, you got the vaccine, you suffered a consequence, but don't worry, we eradicated the disease. And oh, sorry, liberalism brought it back by open borders. So it's up to everyone to decide. It's up to everyone to decide what is best for you, what's best for your family. Government should have no role in that. <clears throat> Government should have absolutely no role in that. And I don't think businesses should have that role in that either. I think that there is a very small subset of businesses that can reasonably require their employees to get vaccinated against certain ailments. Like, as I just said, if you tend to work with smallpox in a research lab, I don't think it's unreasonable for your employer after an outbreak, right, after a containment breach to require you to get inoculated for smallpox. I don't think that's unreasonable. But what you're seeing here, where they're saying every business needs to get their employees vaccinated because they're technically engaged in interstate commerce. That makes no sense. That makes absolutely no sense. But that's the world we live in. We live in a world now where you don't have as many freedoms as you thought. Well, I mean, you still have them. You still have those freedoms. You still have a government unwilling to respect them. When you go down the list of the Bill of Rights, the Bill of Rights isn't there just so the founders could hear themselves talk. Bill of Rights is there I mean, it's really interesting. You look at the way the Constitution is written. The Constitution, for, for like the main parts of it, <clears throat> tell what the government can do. Right? You go through Article 1, Article 2, Article 3. You go through these parts of the Constitution, and it doesn't say what the government isn't allowed to do. It says what the government is allowed to do. It's a, it's a document of enumerated powers. Anything not, any power not enumerated, any, any power not explicitly granted to the government is presumed to reside elsewhere. Right. So when it says the, the government can levy taxes, this, 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 that's what the government can do. If it doesn't say the government can do it, it's presumed that the government can't. The Bill of Rights is written differently. The Bill of Rights doesn't say what the government can do. It says what the government cannot do. 
cannot violate certain individual rights. The Bill of Rights shouldn't have needed to be written. Everything in the Bill of Rights should go without saying, right? You have the right to defend yourself. You have the right to preach. You have the right to pray to your God. You have the right to petition the government of redress of grievances. You have the right to close your door if the government wants to put troops inside of your home, right? You don't have to turn your house into a bed and breakfast for the United States Army. I mean, that goes without saying. It's just so obvious you shouldn't even need to put it put pen to paper. And yet they felt the need to do that because they had just gone through a revolutionary war against Britain where all of these rights were systematically violated. You have the right to a jury before your peers. You have the right to a speedy trial. You have the right to you have the right to avoid self-incrimination. You cannot be forced to be a witness against yourself. You have the right to be secure in your body and your person and your papers. I mean, all these things are obvious. <clears throat> the the actual amendments to the constitution you look through them they're all just so freaking obvious with the exception of prohibition right that one's kind of that one's pretty forced every other one is just obvious right men and women should both be treated with respect and dig dignity and have the same rights and privileges that just is obvious <clears throat> right you're right no state should have the power to violate your rights and liberties based on your skin color based on your gender, based on your creed, obvious. You see, the Bill, the Bill of Rights and the subsequent amendments had to be written because people started reading between the lines in the main parts of the Constitution. The Constitution says government can do X, Y, and Z. And they said, ooh, but there's a little space between X and Y where I think we could do something. They start expanding that, spreading it out, doing a little bit too much so the amendments have to come and say, no, 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 no. Can't do that. You have to respect people's rights. Which is what makes it so terrifying that you have people who literally make a living on arguing that the Bill of Rights should be re-examined. I mean, the Second Amendment is as clear as clear can be. A well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It is obvious. You rewrite it in today's language because the security of a free state is important. You cannot violate the people's right to keep and bear arms. That's how you would rewrite it. <clears throat> but you see the left looks at and says, oh, a well-regulated militia. That means we can do whatever we want. I mean, it, it, all of this just goes without saying. And then you get to, you get to the 10th Amendment. The 10th Amendment is the most important of all. Any right not explicitly given to the federal government is presumed to reside with the people or with the states. You see, that shouldn't need to be written. In a constitution where you have enumerated powers, where the constitution says what the, what the federal government can do, you shouldn't need the 10th Amendment. If you live in a world where you have a document that says what the government can do, if it doesn't say the government can do it, then the government can't do it. See, the 10th Amendment should be unnecessary. It is The only reason it's necessary is you have people out there who want to continue to push the boundary, who want to infringe on your rights. Now, if we lived in a perfect world where we didn't have tyrants among us, the 10th Amendment would be unnecessary. But it is very necessary. And thank God the founders saw it that way. I mean, the founders could have easily ratified eight amendments and just gone on their way. They ratified the Ninth and Tenth Amendment to make sure that this new experiment with federal government wasn't going to violate the rights of the people and rights of the states. 
it's always so fun when I when I hear Democrats make a Tenth Amendment argument. It usually comes out when you talk. I mean, gun control again, an example. When when uh, the Supreme Court was deciding Heller versus D.C. in two thousand eight, that's the case against Washington D.C.'s gun law restricting people from owning handguns. When they were when they were hearing that case, liberal groups came forward and said, "Oh no, you cannot violate, you cannot overturn." the gun law in Washington, D.C., because that would be a violation of states' rights. It would be a violation of the Tenth Amendment. I mean, th- it always comes up. That's always when it comes up. But the, the, the great part about all this is our forefathers understood that could happen, too. They understood that that could happen, too, which is why we have the Fourteenth Amendment. Right? The 14th Amendment reads, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor does deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So using Heller as an example, I don't want to get too nerdy, too hyper-specific. Heller Supreme Court case overturns a D.C. law saying, you, a D.C. law banning handguns. The liberals said, okay, well, we lost D.C., but haha, they were only talking about D.C. Second Amendment can't apply to the states. So a- after, subsequently, after Heller versus D.C. in 2008, you had another Supreme Court case. McDonald v. Chicago. That was a man who lived in Chicago, Illinois, and he wanted to own a handgun. Chicago, where he lived, prohibited handgun ownership. He sued. And the liberals again argued, whoa, 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 whoa. States' rights, you have to let us ban handguns. You can't force us to abide by the Second Amendment. So what did the Supreme Court do? They incorporated the Second Amendment through the 14th Amendment. The 14th Amendment saying you cannot deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law or deny any person equal protection under the laws. They took that clause and said, nope, that clause applies to the states. Therefore, you have to abide by the Second Amendment. So, I mean, all of these arguments shouldn't happen, right? After you have, in 2008, the Supreme Court says every American has a God-given, constitutionally protected right to own a handgun for self-defense purposes, you shouldn't need a court case to say, yes, it applies to sta- the states too. You shouldn't need it. But you ha- you, these cases happen because the people who want to take your liberties away keep wanting to push that envelope, push further and further and further and use any loophole they can get to take it. It's important to note Heller versus DC was decided 5-4. We were one vote away from the Second Amendment being defined as a right protecting the National Guard. One vote away. That's how close we were to losing it all. Speaking of Chicago, let's go ahead and put up my screen, Mr. Producer. Chicago. Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. A lot of crime happening in Chicago. Headline from Fox. Small businesses suffer from crime plague with no effort from the city to stop it. Why would the city stop what the city has encouraged? Why, uh, why would the city stop what they've encouraged? I mean... They've encouraged us. They defund the police, tell the police to stand down. What did they think would happen? What did they think would happen? 
GW Kelsey says, no, Max, that is wrong. The state's interest cannot be above the people, even though that it's administered by the people. That's not entirely correct. So when we talk about the issue of like vaccine mandates, since there's no power within the Constitution giving the federal government the authority to force people to get vaccinated, that is a right that is not entrusted to the federal government and through the 10th Amendment is presumed to either belong to the state or to the people. Massachusetts, for over 100 years, has maintained the authority to force its residents to get vaccinated. So this this has happened a couple times over the years where they have had mandatory vaccinations in the state of Massachusetts, and the Supreme Court has upheld it because just because a power does not belong to the federal government does not does not mean it automatically is entrusted to the people. State constitutions will dictate what powers are given to the state from the people, right? So there are lots of states where they have powers that are pretty egregious. I mean, you look at New York's emergency powers, the powers that are entrusted to the governor. Forget that, even just the powers entrusted to the mayor of New York in a, in a state of emergency. Many of these laws were written after 9-11 and many with the best intentions. But it's through these laws empowering the state government that we see that bill that we were talking about the other day, A416, where through an emergency declaration, the governor could throw you in a concentration camp on the suspicion that you might be sick. So yeah, so let's go ahead and go back to my screen. Mayor Lightfoot also gave a press conference yesterday. We talked a little bit about this, but this quote really resonated with me. I was thinking about it all day long. Mayor Lightfoot, if you have been living vaccine-free, your time is up. If you wish to live life with the ease to do the things that you love, you must be vaccinated. This health order may pose an inconvenience to the unvaccinated. And in fact, it is inconvenient. I can't see the bottom of it. It is inconvenient by design. By design. An admission right there. It is literally designed to be painful. It is designed to be painful. To, to, to inflict as much pain on people as possible. When we had, go ahead, go back to my screen. Um, this next one, U.S. mercenaries preparing provocation, Donbass provocation. This stuff terrifies me. And we also seeing from the military, the Pentagon is issuing guidelines to crack down on domestic and patriotic extremism. Simply liking or reposting certain views can now trigger discipline. This guy, Jesse Kelly, <clears throat> love him to death. He's getting he's getting crucified on social media. Did anyone hear what he said on Tucker? I I spit out my drink when I was watching it. I didn't think that anyone would ever say that on TV. He's not wrong, but he said it in a way that is just obviously not politically correct whatsoever. I'm gonna see if I can uh, if I can actually pull the the full quote, but he said he we need a military that will be willing to. I I, I don't want to I don't want to butcher it. We don't need a military that's women friendly. We don't need a military that's gay friendly. We need Type A men who want to sit on a throne of Chinese skulls. And you understand why the left blew him up over that. You understand why <laughs> why the left is going after him on that one. He's not wrong. I mean, you don't want a military that will commit war crimes. Um, and I, I, constructing a, a throne out of the skull of your enemies. I mean, this isn't 
Game of Thrones. But uh, the sentiment is true. You don't want military a military that's worried about women's rights or gay rights. You want a military that is focused on winning wars. And the military only seems interested. I thought we had images. Um, the military. Oh, here we go. The military is only interested in punishing conservatives these days. I can't say it. So basically, um, <clears throat> this is the instruction from the Defense Department. If you if you like things on social media like uh, Molan Labe, come and take it, anti-gun control things, you can be now reprimanded. Just think about that. You swear an oath in the military to uphold and defend the Constitution, and you can be reprimanded for supporting the Second Amendment. That's just crazy. But that is the world we live in now. We do not have a military that is preparing to win the next war. We have a military that is literally marching forward in a way that will lose the next war. Getting rid of war fighters in exchange for wokeness. It's, it's incredible. It really, really is. So Joe Biden hit a milestone this week. I don't know if anyone saw it. We go ahead and put up my screen again, Mr. Producer. He is now, he's claiming that Americans are better off under him. They're better off because of his presidency. The truth of the matter is, though, that Joe Biden has hit numbers that we have not seen since Jimmy Carter. Joe Biden's economy is in many ways worse than Jimmy Carter's. His popularity sure is worse. Saw a poll yesterday, I think it was from a PBS poll, that said that Joe Biden is actually more underwater with Hispanic voters than he is with white voters. Only 33% of Hispanics support Joe Biden and approve of the job he's doing. More Hispanics oppose Joe Biden than white Americans oppose him. So when you hear this whole bit, let's say, oh, anyone who opposes Build Back Better is a white supremacist, notice that, <clears throat> notice that 57, 67% of Hispanics do not support the Biden agenda. I don't know. Is there a white supremacist equivalent for Hispanics? I don't know. Hispanic supremacist? I don't know. <clears throat> I'm sure that they will come up with a slur. I mean, for black people, it's Uncle Tom. What do you call a Hispanic American who does not toe the party line and agree to go along with Democrat policies? Not entirely sure. Ms. Brewster, I'm going to send you right now a video that happened yesterday. Do you guys see this in? Miami, Miami airport, there was a brawl. This happens routinely. I mean, if you were to tell me that there was a brawl somewhere in the country at an airport and I had one guess of where it happened, I would guess that it happened in Miami. So Mr. Bruce, I sent that over um, through Messenger of a, a video. If you can pull it up while you're doing that, go ahead, take down my screen. Gotta remind everyone this podcast is sponsored by MyPillow. If you go to mypillow.com, make sure you use promo code CD21. Listen, the guys at MyPillow, they're patriots. Mike Lindell is a patriot. It's a great American company that employs American workers, and they were growing tremendously. And then they slapped Mike Lindell and they hit him with all of the, you know, after January 6th, after um, the inauguration, they canceled him. They canceled him because. He was doing the right thing. He was fighting for what's right. So Mike Lindell can't advertise. They won't let him on Fox anymore. He's not in stores. So he needs to reach the people, which is why he partners with shows like ours. So if you want to give 
a gift this holiday season. It's probably too too late to get it in time for Christmas, but you know what? No one's going to turn away a MyPillow after Christmas either. Head over to MyPillow.com and make sure you use promo code CD21, Charlie Delta 21, and you're going to get up to 66% off your order. It's the best promo code they have available. The MyPillows are the cheapest they've ever been with this promo code. And again, full disclosure, we do get a small commission. It helps us keep the lights on, helps us grow the show, pay the bills. So yeah, again, please use promo code CD21 when you order. Support Mike Lindell and support our show. Okay, do we have that video, Mr. Producer? We do. Okay, this is a brawl that took place at Miami Airport yesterday. A brawl. And at one point, the the people fighting decided that they were going to brawl with an armed police officer. And I am shocked at the restraint that he showed. I'm shocked at... uh, I'm shocked they didn't shoot one of them sooner. But the only reason it ended is because that cop drew his gun on his attacker. So, Mr. Bruce, let's go ahead and play this uh, this video right now. He's literally just punching a police officer. And they're still walking towards him. My goodness. That's going to take it down. I mean, we, we talk we talk about the Darwin Award. People who voluntarily take their stupid genes out of the gene pool. I cannot think of anything dumber than in a secure airport, out past security, squaring up to fight a police officer. Do you see that? There are people who, after he drew his gun, still squared up against him. And like, I can't think of anywhere worse to commit a crime. I mean, there's all of the cameras. Cameras are everywhere. Every entrance and exit <clears throat> is either locked or they have security there, police there. The last place to commit a crime would be in an airport, and yet they do it. I, I don't know what it is. For whatever reason, in Miami airport, they have this recurring theme of just teenagers to borrow the line from my cousin Vinny, the Utes, the Utes are just brawling on a weekly, monthly basis. I don't know what's going on there. If anyone knows, if anyone lives in Miami, feel free to put in the comment what's going on there because I don't know if it's something in the water. I don't know what it is, but it's it's something else. If you go ahead and put up my screen again, Mr. Producer. Um, Yeah, Biden and Democrats face grim findings and two new polls. The president's approval rating among independent voters has dropped by eight points in just one week. This is significant because as I talked with Joe last week, independents aren't really independents. I mean, they are, but they aren't. When someone, I know there's lots of people and you can yell at me all you want. I say, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm an independent. Very few Americans are truly independent. Very, very few Americans are willing to vote for both parties. Very few. I think it's like 
of total Americans are willing or actually independent. Everyone else leans one way significantly. So you can say you're independent, but for all intents and purposes, you're a Republican because you vote Republican every single time, or you're a Democrat because you vote Democrat every single time. To lose eight points, though, is significant because there aren't enough truly independent voters left to lose that many points. Right? That means he had to have lost lean Democrat independence, which is very bad for Joe Biden, very good for us. If you have people who say that they're independent, but they are, again, for all intents and purposes, Democrats, and you lose them, now they might not go and vote Republican, but you might see what happened in 2016, where you had Democrat voters instead vote for Jill Stein or instead vote Libertarian. Right? They're not willing to vote for Republicans, but they aren't comfortable with giving the Democrat their vote. It's just as good. For us, it's just as good. So when Joe Biden loses 8% with independence, yeah, it's probably relatively easy to win those people back. If they already if they already lean Democrat, it's probably not that hard to get them to back to voting. But it's a terrible sign for the Democrats going into 2022. I think we're up now to two dozen Democrats, House Democrats, who have resigned or no, announced their retirement. Let me see the latest one. Uh, the latest one was in, in Florida. Um, we had Democrat, uh, Florida, Stephanie Murphy. Stephanie Murphy. She is now uh, 22 Republicans. Sorry, 22 Democrats have so far announced their retirement. She holds a seat in Florida, which is a swing seat, which after redistricting might be even worse for Democrats, right? To lose a Democrat, if you're a Democrat, if you're in the Democrat party, to have all these Democrats retiring, it's a terrible sign. You, you can see that the writing is on the wall at that point. It's good news for us, but we still need candidates who are going to beat whoever the Democrats throw at us. Like It's not enough just to run whoever in a blue district. You have to run good candidates, which I haven't done enough research into the candidates that are being uh, pushed forward. And I, I just I hope it's better than it was a few years ago. We need unimpeachable candidates, unimpeachable men and women who are willing to put their life on the line, put the life on hold, sorry, and and run to represent their constituents. And it, it has to be that have to be conservatives, right? It's not good enough to lose a Democrat and replace them with a rhino, which is why it is so important to vote in primaries. I can't stress it enough. And I know everyone's going to say, oh, I vote every year. Well, everyone doesn't vote in primaries. And maybe our audience is more inclined to vote during a primary. I hope our audience is more inclined to vote during a primary. But not everyone does. Not everyone does. So you need to get people to vote. To vote for real conservative candidates who have a chance of winning. And, that, and that's where it gets really hard. Right? What do you do when you're up when you have a choice between a rhino and a conservative who has more skeletons in his closet than the, the local Halloween store? I don't know. What do you do? I don't know what you do in that situation. Do you run the republic the conservative who's going to definitely lose because he's done pretty much everything wrong you can do? I don't know. Then you have Donald Trump who is in that same kind of boat. He had plenty of skeletons and he still won because he, he embraced them. He owned them. It's not, I don't have a solution. <laughs> if I did, I'd, 
I'd be a very, very rich man. But you have to get out and vote, and you have to vote for the candidate that you most believe in and do whatever research you can to make that decision. If we go ahead and put up my screen again, this interested me. This is from The Federalist. Press records show Joe Biden is the least accessible president in modern history. Who'd have thunk it? As of December 1st, Joe Biden has done just 18 media interviews the entire year, while Donald Trump had already done 89 at this point in his presidency. So the media claimed that Donald Trump was attacking the free press. He was, a, he was waging a war on the fourth branch of government. When it's actually Joe Biden who's been doing that. 18 media interviews in an entire year. Where are the headlines? Where are the op-eds criticizing Joe Biden? Where are the fundraisers pulling their, their funds from the, uh, from the Democrat Party? Where? I mean, that's what was happening for Donald Trump. In Clinton's, in, in, uh, in 2000, Bill Clinton traveled to 22 countries. So in 2000, Bill Clinton traveled to more countries than Joe Biden gave interviews this year. I guess they don't do interviews. Yeah. GW because he says no basement access for the White House. Probably not. That's probably what did them in. No, the, the world's falling apart. And you're you're having Joe Biden pulling that. I mean, if it's a, if it's an ugly Christmas sweater, Joe Biden's sitting there pulling on the yarn and unraveling it. You gotta take this country back. And that does not mean violence. It does not mean calls to violence. Uh, as I've said this on the podcast many times, I don't want to get there. I have two kids. No one with two kids will, will, be, will ever say with a straight face that they want civil war. I absolutely don't. And we're not the people driving towards it. The media loves to paint our show or any other show as the one that is driving radicalism. The one that is driving people to commit acts of violence. We covered this yesterday with Jesse Waters telling people to em embrace their inner James O'Keefe and to ambush Anthony Fauci with tough questions. They literally spun that into him advocating violence. No, it's not us. We are not the ones who are who want this. Right? If, if war comes, it will not be at our behest. But I think what liberals will quickly realize is just how idiotic it is to advocate civil war against the most heavily armed voting block in world history. Yes. <laughs> Conservative Americans are more heavily armed than on any other voting block in world history. Conservative Americans have more guns than many foreign armies. That means very little. In some cases, sure. But when you hear Democrats, liberals, socialists say we need a revolution. I mean, we've covered this on the show before. The soy boys that we would be going up against in such a revolution. On the one hand, it only takes on the one hand, it only takes one bullet. Fine. But I don't think they realize just how <laughs> suicidal that would be. I was watching Joe Rogan the other day talking about just that. Like, what what will socialists do when they realize that there are over a million veterans in this country who would want nothing better than to, <laughs> than to take the fight back to them? And he's right. He's absolutely 
Absolutely right. Well, going to mention also, again, this podcast is sponsored by Liberty Cigars. If you go to libertycigars.com, make sure you check them out. Their whole deal is historically themed cigars. So if you have someone in your life that likes to have a cigar every now and then, this is the perfect gift for them if they also happen to be a history buff. So you go to libertycigars.com and use promo code CD21, Charlie Delta 21, and you're going to get a free cigar on all orders over $76. It's a no-brainer. So again, go to Liberty Cigars and use promo code CD21 to get a free cigar on top of all orders over $76. So a bit of a skeleton crew today. Joe is out. Greg is out. Um, don't have a ton more to talk about. I, I, I look at what's happening in this country and I see people are starting to wake up. I, I pray that people are starting to wake up. I don't see a whole lot of people lining up to get boosted. <laughs> I know that the, that the propaganda is starting to wear very thin. I've talked to a couple people who very candidly have said that they got vaccinated because they wanted their life back. And they were promised that if they got vaccinated, they would get their life back. And now being told that they have to, that they have to uh, go back to masking up, go back to hiding indoors. They're, they're starting to realize just how fraudulent the entire thing was. And so, no, they're not going to get double, triple, quadruple vaccinated when the people who encouraged them to do so in the first place were lying to them. And that is why we have seen them double down on this whole fear messaging that if you don't get double vaccinated, you are going to die. You're going to have a, a tough winter, a hard winter. They feel, that's the only way they feel that they can convince people to get the shot. Fear is never a good long-term uh, negotiation, negotiating tactic, pressure point. Yeah, fear might get someone to do something once, but it won't work after that. So we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see how this all shapes up. I don't think... Listen, the, the fact that... <laughs> The fact I'm looking at the maps right now, actually, this is, this is really interesting. The, uh, the, the numbers, if we go back to my screen, these are for Monmouth County, New Jersey, cases versus deaths. So you can see here that in the previous spikes, the spikes for cases also correspond to us with a spike in deaths. And yet here, these spikes in cases have not corresponded to a spike in deaths. I think this might just be the conspiracy theorist inside of me. I think that Joe Biden's push for home-based testing, as we talked about yesterday, buying 500 million tests, is to get rid of this number right here, this cases number, right? Because that's the number that they use to define how effective Donald Trump's response to the virus was. Cases, cases and deaths. Well, they redefined deaths shortly after Joe Biden took office, and now they want to change cases because if someone gets a home-based test and they test positive, that's not going to be reported necessarily. Maybe they, maybe they report, I don't know. But that seems like a really easy way to get rid of the cases number, to send the test to people's homes. Also, very interesting that this, uh, this change here corresponded with a change in how PCR tests were run, the number of cycles that were run. So they had fewer false positives in there too convenient thing that they could only do once Donald Trump was out because they were using the case number against Donald Trump. 
We can go ahead and take that down, Mr. Producer. I don't have a whole lot left. Um, we can wrap it up here. That's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the audio edition. All those links are in the description. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, and Audible. Um, if you can, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review and uh, and subscribe. Five-star review is very, very important, very helpful. Help us climb up in those rankings again. Um, that's the easiest way to do it. We go live 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern, so tune in for that. And if you need a little reminder, if you're one of those Facebook refugees, um, text the word FREEDOM to 89517, 89517. You'll get added to our text alert system. You get a notification telling you what we're talking about and how, when, and where you can watch. So that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, the fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together.